Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome to this service of worship here on Pentecost Sunday at First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio. You know, I'm a huge fan of fight movies. Everything from martial arts movies to boxing movies, from the Karate Kid movies to all of the Rocky movies. And here's what I love about those movies. One thing that all of those films have in common is that one big defining fight scene when the hero finally meets his nemesis, either in the ring or on the street. And I love that scene in so many movies, recast time and time again, where the hero, punched, bloody, broken, hits the floor, hits the ground, or hits the mat, and it looks like everything is over. He's defeated, and the villain stands over him in contempt. And then the villain turns and walks away, having crushed the hero under his boot. But then the music starts, and then the flicker of the eyelid, a slight movement of the finger, and the hero begins to draw himself together and stand. And he clenches his fist, and he sets his feet, and once standing again, he calls out to the villain and says, It ain't over yet. And then in one final clash, the scrappy hero shows that he's made a comeback and delivers the knockout punch. It's such a common scene that it's a cliché. But it gets me every time. Rocky, The Karate Kid, every movie or story where you thought the hero was dead, and then boom, there it is. Redemption and a comeback. This is the reason I love the story of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was the church's comeback. Because Pentecost Sunday marks a moment when God the Holy Spirit empowered the church to stand up and go out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and then verses 13 and 14. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. The day of Pentecost was the church's comeback. Consider this. After Jesus was crucified, most people thought that his movement was finished. Everybody thought that it was over. The temple authorities thought that they had silenced this heretic. The Romans felt that they had disposed of a potential troublemaker. The people thought that another would-be prophet had come and gone. Even the disciples, even his closest friends and followers, were either scattered or in hiding. I'm sure there were rumors, 
rumors that his body had been stolen from the tomb, rumors that he had risen from the grave as he had raised Lazarus of Bethany from the grave. It was rumored that he and his disciples had been seen in Galilee. But these rumors seemed like incredible tales and nobody paid that much attention to them. For all intents and purposes, any movement started by Jesus of Nazareth was done. But then, at the festival of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, something bizarre happened. Jews were gathered from all over the civilized world for a special homecoming celebration. From Persia and Media and Elam and Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and Libya and Cyrene and Rome and Crete and Arabia. At first, they were startled when the morning was disrupted by what the scripture calls the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Do you remember the tornadoes that hit San Antonio just a couple of years ago? I grew up in a tornado-heavy area, and when you hear the sound of a tornado's powerful rushing and crushing wind, you'll never forget it. It's like the sound of a freight train. You think to yourself that there's no way that moving air could make that kind of sound. But they heard that terrible sound of a rushing wind. And then, as if over a public service PA system, they began to hear people praying. But not praying just in Hebrew or Aramaic necessarily, but in the languages of the lands from which they came. And they started drawing together. And those sounds pulled them to the source of the voices, like the undertow of the ocean or like gravity. And then a man came out and began speaking. No, no preaching to the crowd. Courageously, boldly, with authority, declaring that Jesus of Nazareth, the one they thought was dead, crucified in this very city nearly two months earlier, was not only alive, but that he was Lord and Savior of the world. The day of Pentecost was the church's comeback. It looked like the scrappy movement of Jesus of Nazareth, the Galilean, was down for the count. It had been punched, and it had been punched hard, and everybody thought that it had been dealt a mortal blow. But then on the day of Pentecost, the church stood up and jumped back into the ring. The same disciples who had once run in fear and hid came out boldly proclaiming Jesus in the streets. This was not something that the followers of Jesus did on their own. They were guided, they were inspired by God the Holy Spirit, imbuing the church with supernatural strength and superhuman courage. With wind and fire, God the Holy Spirit lifted up the followers of Jesus and said, get back in there, you can do it. And all around them, supernatural things were happening. And people were drawn irresistibly. And when Peter began to preach... He was transformed, no longer cowed by fear or shamed by denial. Peter the fisherman became Peter the apostle. And when Peter stepped into the ring and he spoke, he delivered three hard punches. First, he named the moment. Then he claimed the promises of God. And then he proclaimed the victory of Jesus Christ. In his first punch... Peter named the moment. With wind and fire and supernatural power, God the Holy Spirit awakened the attention of the city. 
Something weird, something supernatural was happening. And even the crowds could feel it in the air. And at that moment, Peter grabbed the microphone. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For three years, Jesus of Nazareth had cast a vision, a beautiful but seemingly impossible, unreachable vision. It was a vision of peace where people beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, a vision of health and plenty. For each person sat under his own vine and no one went hungry. A vision of miracles and an end to death. A vision of a kingdom and of a creation where people loved God, loved one another, and loved their neighbors. But all of that seemed to die with Jesus. The Romans had crucified that vision with him. But then Peter seized the moment that God had presented. You thought it was over, but nothing is over. Nothing is finished until the Lord says that it is over. And now do I have your attention? Peter named that moment. For his second punch, Peter claimed the promises of God. Peter began his speech with the words of the prophet Joel from, for, from some 600 years earlier. And he claimed the promises of God as relevant to that moment. God promised that he will bring his truth and his vision to bear, said Peter. He said, in the last days it shall be that God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What that means is that God's people, young and old, the weak and the powerful, men and women, will gain spirit-inspired holy insight for things that they did not expect or that they thought were not possible. It would be God speaking his truth into his people and they would start dreaming his dreams. God also promised that he would bring his power to bear. And the Lord said, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Peter was saying that there will be sobering, even scary events that will get people's attention, that will shake them to their core and bring them to their knees. And unexplainable power will be released and brought to bear so that people will know that God is real and so that they will take him seriously. And God also promised that he would bring his mercy and his grace to bear. Peter said, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in that moment, those who turn to Jesus Christ will be saved. When the situation is most perilous and the crisis is at its worst and the people are at their most vulnerable in that moment of uncertainty and fear and desperation, people will turn to the Lord and those who turn to the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter was saying, 
These are the promises of God. And they were not just for Joel, and they were not just for his generation. They are for right now. God is bringing his truth. He's bringing his power, and he is bringing his mercy to bear. So Peter named the moment. He claimed the promises of God. And then for his third and knockout punch, he proclaimed the victory of Jesus Christ as proof that God keeps his promises. The Romans and the authorities did their worst, and they thought that they had won. The death gods of Rome had murdered Israel's hopes, and it appeared that the kingdom vision had been snuffed out by the fallen status quo. But then God did what no one expected, and Jesus Christ rose in victory over death. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. This Jesus, though, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. And so Peter said, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Peter was saying, you thought that Jesus was dead and you thought that God was not real or that he was impotent compared to the pagan gods, but you were wrong and here is your proof. He has proven his love by his death on the cross and he's proven his power by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Death could not hold him. Jesus is alive and God is real and we are back because the Lord keeps his promises. God, the Holy Spirit, has empowered his people with his truth, with his vision, with his power, and with his mercy. Boom! And on that day of Pentecost, in that comeback moment, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, Peter invoked the words of Joel and the words of King David and connected them to the eternal word of God in Jesus Christ. He connected the gospel of Jesus Christ to the gospel before the gospel in that moment in time. Now, I believe that today, this day of Pentecost 2020, is the church's coronavirus comeback moment. Our country needs the comeback of the church right now more than ever. For two months, people have lived in confusion and fear as the death toll in this country reached 100,000 and now numbers in the millions worldwide. A Pentecostal church in Mississippi was burned and graffitied just for meeting together. The political rhetoric has become toxic and we see it all, all the time. Substance abuse is up. Over 40 million people have lost their jobs. Child abuse and domestic violence are up. Homelessness is up. Divorce filings are up. And just last week, a white police officer in Minneapolis, Minnesota, killed a black man, George Floyd, who was in his custody, who was already subdued, and he killed him in full view of witnesses and cameras and even other policemen. For several nights this week, peaceful gatherings and protests erupted into rioting and looting in Minneapolis and other cities like Los Angeles, exposing the deep racial divisions that were so apparent and so explosive just a couple of summers ago. But right now, our nation, our communities, and our families are sitting on a powder keg 
ready to explode. This health crisis has put our society on edge politically, socially, economically, emotionally, spiritually, and it has exposed some ugly things. It's exposed deep racial divisions, which were lying dormant, which are now starting to resurface. As as we are starting to emerge from our lockdown and quarantine, the old pre-COVID world of greed and poverty, hostility and neglect and division and manipulation are all trying to make a comeback. The renowned documentary maker, Ken Burns, producer of numerous films about American history and culture, has recently said that our national motto is e pluribus unum, from the many one. The problem right now, however, is that we have too much pluribus and not enough unum. But what if we look at the story of Pentecost? Because it's a story of how the Holy Spirit brings people together from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, together under Jesus Christ. By the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the Lord is bringing all kinds of people under His authority and under His grace and into His kingdom of love for God, love for one another, and love for our neighbors. The peace and the unity that we so desperately need is not found in a place but under the love and lordship of Jesus Christ. Beloved, our world needs a comeback. We need a comeback. Not just a comeback to church, but a comeback to our mission. Not just a comeback to Fourth and Alamo, but to come back to the purpose for which God has called and designed us. I believe that we have to claim this moment We have to name this moment because now is the moment when the old ways and God's ways are going to come into direct collision with one another. We have to name this moment because in this moment, our world is in trouble and people need the gospel of Jesus Christ and they need his kingdom vision. We can't rely just on science or social programs. Jesus Christ is real and he is relevant to this extraordinary moment. His truth is relevant and his compassion is essential. And so it's time for us to bring God's truth and God's vision to bear. We need to speak God's truth and dream God's dreams. To speak the truth about the way things really are and point God's people to his vision of the world as it ought to be. The kingdom of God. To present and embody the kingdom vision. By loving Christ, by loving one another, and by loving our neighbors, our neighborhood, and the nations. It's time for us to bring God's power to bear through our leadership, our courage, our sacrifice, and our compassion. You know what I love about Peter's sermon is the passage that says that we will have the power of God, supernatural power. And then immediately we see the apostles performing signs and wonders of healing and evangelism and mercy. It reminds me that God has given his people, especially in this church, the extraordinary power and resources to meet the needs of people around us, not only to survive the storm ourselves, but to share his truth and grace and compassion beyond the storm. This is a time for us to bring God's mercy and his grace to bear through our own humility and through our love. But it's also a time to do just as Jesus Christ did at the beginning of his ministry and as Peter did in his sermon. 
It's a time for us to challenge people to repent, to turn away from the old broken ways and turn toward Jesus Christ. Not to go back to our old lives, but to follow Jesus Christ to something better. We love Christ. We love one another and we love the city because Jesus Christ loved us. We're not perfect. We are just forgiven. And this is not a time for selfishness, for political shenanigans or false prophets. It's a time for us to meet the fear that people have with the truth and the power and the love of Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to declare boldly and personally and publicly that Jesus Christ is alive and that God is real, that he has proven his love for us by his death on the cross and by the resurrection, Jesus Christ has proven that God is in control and that he has the power to make a difference in our lives and in our world now and forever. The promises of God are not just for other people or for people way back then. The promises of God are for you because as Peter declared, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that means you and that means me. He loves you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He has a place for you at his table and a position for you on his team. And the good news is that you don't have to earn that love. Because it's not about what you do for God. It's about what God has done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. So here's what we need to be asking ourselves. Has God lost his power or have we? Has God reneged on any of his promises or have we failed to claim them? Has Christ lost his mojo or have we lost our faith? Beloved, this is our comeback moment. And I believe that God the Holy Spirit is calling us to name it for what it is, to claim the promises of God and to proclaim the truth and compassion of Jesus Christ. We have been bloodied and we have been knocked out. We have been knocked down and imprisoned and, like everyone else, quarantined, sequestered, sidelined, and grounded. But God the Holy Spirit is shouting to us from the corner, Get up! Now is the time! You are ready for a comeback. As we're gathered here today, it's not just about coming back to church. It's about coming back to the mission and the purpose for which God has designed his people. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, as we return to worship this morning, whether virtually or here in person, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would get our attention with that mighty rushing wind and with the language of prayer. And we pray, oh God, that you would help us to name this moment in truth and in vision to claim your promises of your mercy and your power and to proclaim Jesus Christ as King and Lord of all and call people to repentance so that they will know that they are loved, so that they will know that God has a purpose and a plan for their lives and so that they will know that God is in control, that he is sovereign over all. Lord, right now, our world is torn apart by tension, racial tension, economic tension, our families are stretched to the breaking point by, by relational tension and economic tension and by abuse and by boredom. And Lord, we need you because even in our hearts and in our minds, we are pulled apart emotionally, spiritually, personally. 
So into this moment, Lord, we speak your truth. We claim your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. And we turn to you. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may name this moment, claim your promises, and proclaim your Son, Jesus Christ, to all the world. For it is in his name and by the power of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for our worship service today here at First Presbyterian Church. We are glad that today was the day that we came back together here at Fourth and Alamo. But we also want to say thank you to all of you who are watching us online, who are watching us by computer or TV, who are listening to our podcasts, and who are joining us in so many other ways. Remember, today is the day of Pentecost. This is the day that the church came back. It is the comeback of the people of God. And right now, in our moment, in our world, our people need leadership. They need hope. They need compassion and love. And that is why we have come back to church and why the church is going to make a comeback in the world. And now, go forth into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine full upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.